And the key verse for this series is 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, which says, Train yourself for godliness. And so what I said last week was, we need to train like an athlete. Not having athletic success as our goal, but having a different goal, the goal of godliness. Training like an athlete for godliness. Not doing what an athlete does, but training in the same sort of way, that it's discipline, hard work, perseverance. Train yourself for godliness. An athlete has daily routines that he or she believes will lead to athletic success. If they're an athlete who is looking toward the Olympics, wanting an Olympic medal, maybe a gold medal, They need daily routines. They need to train daily toward that goal. And so Christians need daily routines that will lead us to our goal, the goal of godliness or spiritual growth, Christ-likeness. So the spiritual disciplines need to become daily routines in our lives. Or you could say regular routines if you miss one day. Uh, You're not necessarily a bad Christian. Uh, You know, we miss those days. Uh, Even an athlete training sometimes takes a day off here and there for whatever reason. But when I say daily, I mean a regular routine. The spiritual disciplines need to become daily routines in our lives. So our, our daily routines really do impact our spiritual growth. So the question I started off with last week, and I'll start off again this week with it, is as we begin a new year, we're already into this new year, almost, I guess, halfway through the first month of the year, uh, would you resolve to develop daily routines or maybe continue those daily routines that will lead to your spiritual growth? So as... I just mentioned, as we saw last week, we began with the goal. The goal is godliness. And now for the rest of this series, we'll be considering various ways that we can train ourselves so that we might reach that goal. So the first discipline we're going to look at is Bible Intake, which maybe isn't a way you have heard it described as before, but there are various subcategories to Bible intake, and we'll look at three of them this morning, but basically it's taking God's Word, taking the Bible into our minds. Now, we have access to God's Word like never before. 
You know, when these books, think just of the New Testament, when the New Testament books were being written, and even when they were written first, right after that, you know, people didn't have a, a copy of Paul's letter to the Romans. You know, they, they'd copy these letters, but not everyone would have a copy. They would go to, to church, a church gathering, and they'd hear it, but they wouldn't take home the Bible with them like, like we can today. You know, a lot of people didn't have, and even still today, don't have the Bible in their own language. And today we have several Bible translations, English translations of, of Scripture. And so we're very blessed in that way. You know, we have technology today where you can get a, the Bible app, for example, or, or various other Bible reading apps, audio Bibles where you can listen to the Bible. You can go online and find all of these, these things, various translations of uh, the English Bible. And so we have access like never before. We could go on and on with this amazing access. But we live in a day of great opportunity and privilege when it comes to the Bible. But are we taking advantage of this amazing access to God's Word? Tracy read from John chapter 17. I want to look at especially verse 17 this morning. Also verses 18 and 19, but especially verse 17. Now John chapter 17, you might have a heading at the top of the chapter. It's often called the high priestly prayer of Jesus. In this prayer, Jesus prays for his followers, including us. If you look at verse 20, we didn't get there in the scripture reading, but verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So that includes us. So he's praying for his followers. And let's look again at verses 17 through 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now, when he talks about them, who is he praying for here specifically? He's praying for his, his disciples. Now, we're all, if we're a Christian, we're all disciples or followers of Jesus. But here he's praying specifically for the 11 disciples, those who would become the apostles. And he prays, sanctify them. Now, what does that mean, sanctify them? Now, if I were to ask for answers, you might say, well, that means to make holy or to set apart. I'm sure some of you are thinking of those answers. And that's the basic meaning of sanctify. But here in this prayer, Jesus goes beyond that uh, a little further. Now, when you think of, for example, those pieces of the tabernacle. For example, the altar, it was, it was sanctified, it was made holy because it had a specific purpose. It had a holy task. It was to be in the tabernacle and 
offerings to God were to be made upon it. And so it was, it was sanctified. It was made holy because it had a holy purpose. And so that's really what Jesus is saying, saying here. In this context, sanctify means, and I'm quoting here an author, Edward Clink, in his commentary on John. He says uh, that sanctify here means the act of, of consecrating or dedicating a person for a holy task. And notice what, what, John, uh, what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 18, as you, the Father, sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So the Father had a mission for Jesus. Uh, he's about to complete that mission. He's praying this prayer before the cross. The cross comes very soon here in the Gospel of John in uh, chapter 19. And so he was sent by the Father to complete a task or to do a mission. And he's going to complete that mission. So as the Father sent him into the world, so now he is about to send his followers, the apostles, into the world on a mission. Going over to chapter 20, verse 21, this is after the crucifixion and the resurrection, re resurrection, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So Jesus would have a holy task, a mission for his disciples. And so he says, he prays, sanctify them. Prepare them for this holy task, this mission. And how are they to be sanctified? How are they to be prepared? He says, sanctify them in the truth. And then he adds, your word is truth. God's word isn't merely true, it's truth. They're to be sanctified in the truth, in God's word. Now, I know that this is Jesus praying here for the apostles. We're not apostles, but we're his disciples, we're his followers, and I believe that we can apply this uh, to our lives today, that God's word prepares us for mission. God's word prepares us for mission. Uh, it shows us, if we read God's word, it, it shows us what our mission is, what we're to be doing. Uh, it reveals to us the heart of God, his love for the world. It reveals to us how we're to be living, that the attitudes, for example, that we're to have. And so God's word, it sanctifies us, it, it prepares us for our mission. And that includes growing spiritually, growing in godliness, growing in Christ-likeness, so that we are doing what God wants us to do. So if God's word prepares us for mission, then it's vital that we take in God's word. We can't be sanctified in the truth or by the truth unless we are taking in the truth. It's God's word that prepares us, that prepares our minds, that prepares our hearts for mission.
Donald Whitney, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, writes, No spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. And some of the thoughts in this series come from uh, Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Uh, That's where I got that term, Bible intake. And so there are several ways in which we can uh, take in God's word. We can be sanctified by the truth. So that is what we're to be doing. That's another way of stating our goal of godliness or to be sanctified, prepared for mission. There's different ways you can word that. And now now that we know the goal, what we should be doing, you know, how do we do that? And so the the rest of this message will will be very practical, practical ways in which we can take in God's word. You know, in the Bible... And the first way we can is hearing God's word. You might have thought that I'd start with reading God's word, which probably is the one we all thought of when I said taking in God's word, but hearing God's word. In the Bible, there's more actually said about hearing scripture than there is about reading scripture. Why do you think that is? Well, actually, it's because they didn't actually, most people didn't have an opportunity to read God's word on their own. They didn't have a copy. I stated that already. So they wouldn't be able to read it, but they would gather together to to hear it. And there would be other ways that they could hear it as well. But that, that was probably, in Scripture, the main way that people would hear the word of God, by gathering together and, and having someone read the copy of Scripture that they had. Uh, Matthew 7, 24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Luke eleven twenty eight. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And James 1, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So all those verses reflect the reality that people generally heard Scripture rather than read it themselves. But what we see here in those verses, they all pretty much made the same point, that the purpose of all methods of Bible intake is to obey it, or do it, or keep it, or in the case of Romans 10.17, to hear and believe, to have faith. So, as I said last week, these spiritual disciplines like hearing God's word, reading it, and so on. The purpose is not just to hear it and read it. You know, we do ourselves no good. We're not going to grow spiritually if we read the Bible each day, even if we read 50 chapters in a day, if we just read it and then it stops there. The spiritual disciplines are to be a means to an end, and the end or the goal is, again, spiritual growth, godliness, Christ-likeness. How can we hear God's word? Well, obviously we can gather together and we can hear it. We can hear it being read. We can hear it being preached. We can even hear it in the songs that we sing. You know, we can gather together for Bible study. We hear the word of God being read. You know, today there are audio Bibles. I often listen to God's word. You can have an audio Bible on your computer, on your phone. You can take a walk listen to it, the Word of God, you can drive. So many ways we can take advantage of that technology. Uh, 
you know, used to have those cassettes or CDs, and, you know, if you don't like doing that on the computer or phone, you know, I'm sure people are giving those things away free now. So uh, if you want to go old school, you can, you can do that as well. So all sorts of ways we can hear God's word. First uh, Timothy 4.13 says, until I come, this is Paul to Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So really, you could say that reading scripture publicly is an important and valuable ministry. Maybe it's something that we really don't think highly of, but Paul said, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. And so I would say that those who are asked to read, prepare yourselves. Think of it as a valuable ministry. Read the, read the text beforehand. Uh, be prepared. And for us who are hearing, make sure we listen. You know, we have the opportunity today to follow along in our Bibles, whether it's on a phone or we actually have a, a physical Bible. You know, we can not only hear, but we can also see the words that are being read, and so we can see it and hear it. And so don't take lightly hearing God's word. That's important. It's one way we can take in God's word. Here on Sundays, even, you know, through technology, throughout the week or when we gather with one another for for reading or studying God's Word. The next, the obvious one, reading God's Word, another form of Bible intake. Now, how long do you think it would take to read the entire Bible? From Genesis to Revelation. You know, we, we look at it, and it looks really long. A lot of words, a lot of pages. You look at an audio Bible, and you look at the, the runtime of an audio Bible will show you very clearly how long it takes to read the Bible. And they're, not, they're usually not reading it too fast. About 72 hours. So really not that long. If you read a half hour a day, did the calculation this morning, I think it's about five months. If you just read a half hour a day, you would read the Bible in five months. If you listen to it, you could even put it on two times speed and you get it done twice as fast, but I wouldn't really recommend that. Uh, might just go in one ear and up the other. But uh, it really doesn't take as long as, as most people think to read through the entire Bible. We believe that it's important to read God's Word. I think most Christians, if not all Christians, do believe that, that we should be taking in God's Word. We should be hearing it, reading it. But do we actually take the time to do those things? Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, this actually was in his answer to Satan when he's being tempted to turn the stones into bread. He said, it is written, Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so think of God's word like that, vital for us for our spiritual growth. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so God's word is, is breathed out by him. It's, it's from him. These words are God's words. He's speaking to us. Uh, Revelation 1.3, specifically about the book of Revelation, but it says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear 
and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. So again, vote, hearing and reading, both. So really some, some basic suggestions, and some of these are so obvious, maybe a, you don't even think I should mention these, but some Bible reading suggestions. The first one is, is find the time. Find the time. What would be the best time? For a lot of people, it's the morning. You know, when the day gets later, before bed, maybe we're drifting off to sleep. Uh, but I won't say what time you should read the Bible. What works for you would be the best time. Just find the time, commit to it. You know, some days things don't go as planned, and, and maybe we've got to change the time. But generally speaking, find the time to do it. Number two, uh, don't want to be too controversial here, but get a good Bible. Um, I'm not going to say what translation of the Bible you should read. I'm reading today from the English Standard Version. Uh, I also like the New International Version. I think Tracy was reading from the New International Version, the NIV for short. Uh, some people still like the, uh, the King James Version. Uh, if you haven't been exposed to the King James Version, if you didn't grow up on it, maybe that wouldn't be the Bible for you. But just get a good Bible. Uh, there are different philosophies when it comes to translation. The ESV, as well as the King James Version, they're more of a word-for-word -word translation, translation from the Greek or the Hebrew word-for-word -word into uh, English, for the most part. NIV is more of, well, it's called dynamic equivalence, sometimes more thought-for-thought, thought, so it's more readable. And maybe a good suggestion would be, you know, Take a year and read from a different translation. Uh, you know, you know, be careful. Some of them aren't as good as others. And if you want my advice, you can ask me. Uh, make sure it's not a paraphrase like the message. You can, you know, compare a translation with a paraphrase, but just be aware that a paraphrase isn't actually a translation from the original languages. But, but get a good Bible. You might even want a study Bible. That's optional, but get a good Bible and maybe vary, vary the translation that you're, that you're reading from. The third, and uh, this is a, really the one I wanted to stress, is, is choose a Bible reading plan. Uh, you don't, just don't start, pick up your Bible and, you know, just do it without really having a plan. You know, again, we're to train ourselves for godliness like an athlete trains for an athletic competition. So uh, an athlete usually has a training plan. You know, he or she doesn't get to the gym and uh, just close their eyes and turn around in a circle and whatever piece of equipment they're pointing to, that, that will be the, the thing. Bench press today because that's what I'm looking at right now. Uh, they have a plan. They stick to that plan for the most part. You know, you can change the plan, but, but they, you know, they have a plan. Uh, R.C. Sproul talks about, uh, I never heard this term before, it's based on a game, but uh, he calls this uh, method of Bible reading lucky dipping, where you uh, take the Bible and you just uh, maybe even close your eyes and just flip through it and just point to a passage after you pray and ask for guidance and this will be the verse for you. Today, maybe we've tried that method before. Uh, he tells the story about one young lady who was very concerned that she hadn't yet found a husband. Uh, and, uh, but she came to R.C. Sproul very excited. Uh, she had done this, 
And uh, the verse for her was Zechariah 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Now, he, w- he wasn't coming on a white horse. He was coming on a donkey. But that was good enough for her. Uh, now, Sproul does admit that a little while later, she started dating a guy, and a few months later, she got married. Uh, I don't know if the method worked. Probably, well, he says that it was due to a newfound confidence. Uh, either way, and I'm not saying God can't speak to us in that way. Maybe out of desperation we do that, and that's how the Lord speaks to us. But I don't think that's a good plan for our scripture reading. You know, the possibilities are endless when it comes to, c- comes to Bible reading. You know, you can read through the Bible. I did that last year. I did the five-day reading plan where you read for five days of the week, was like uh, three Old Testament chapters, a psalm every so often, and a chapter from the New Testament. A little more reading involved with that plan. Uh, You might want to focus on a book of the Bible. That's what I decided to do right now. I'm focusing on the Gospel of John. I'm going to go through it a few times. Uh, You might look at a theme. You know, if you go on online, or if you have the Bible app, for example, that's the most popular one. They have all sorts of Bible reading plans that you could follow. I prefer the ones that really give you the context of Scripture, where you're reading whole books, or you're reading through the New Testament, or the Old Testament, or the whole entire Bible. I know that a lot of people like to use our daily bread. Uh, I would say, though, to use it really correctly, you notice at the bottom that there is a reading plan for the year to read through the entire Bible. Uh, The weakness of a plan like reading our daily bread devotionals that you're skipping here and there and everywhere and you're really getting really the most well-known verses pretty much for the most part. Uh, So I would not discourage you from doing our daily bread, but I would say supplement it with with a reading through a book of the Bible or uh, even the entire Bible. I don't do that every year. I don't read through the Bible every year, but I try and do it like every other year. So it's good to, to see the whole, the, whole, uh, the whole Bible, you know, not just getting pieces here and there because we tend to study, have Bible studies on the same verses or preach from the same verses and, and we miss out on, on a lot of what the Word of God says and maybe some of those passages that you really got to struggle with or uh, that are difficult. And then finally, and this is more of for next week, I'll just mention it. Pick at least one word, phrase, or verse to meditate on each time you read. So don't just read it and close your Bible and forget about it, but, but think upon it. Meditate upon it. Take a, take a word, take a phrase, take a verse from your Bible reading, and, and think upon that throughout the day. We'll talk more about that next week. The final one, I'll be a little shorter on this one, studying God's Word. Uh, Jerry Bridges in his book, The Practice of Godliness, says, Reading gives us breadth, but study gives us depth. Uh, There's the verse in Ezra 7.10, which says, Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. So again, taking in God's word, studying it, but also doing it. So that's the goal. These things like hearing, reading, studying, they are a means to an end. Now, it's an interesting verse at the end of 2 Timothy 4.13. When I went through this book just a few months, a couple months ago, didn't make mention of this verse. It comes at the end. It might seem like really unimportant. 
and maybe in some ways it is, but he told Timothy, and this was when he was nearing the end of his life, he says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.13, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. And so it's believed that you know, some of these books and parchments had to do with Paul continuing to study God's word. And so even though he was a great student, an apostle, uh, he knew a lot more than I do about God's word, and even though he was nearing the end of his life, he still wanted to study God's word. Now, when we hear that word study, we might get intimidated. We might think, well, I'm not able to study God's word. I'm not, I didn't have any formal education or training when it comes to studying God's word. But I believe uh, every Christian is smart enough to study the Bible. You know, you might not be, you know, in the original languages and doing all of that kind of technical work. Uh, but we can all read a passage of scripture, and we can make observations, we can go through a book, we can make a simple outline, uh, we can go through and look for a theme throughout the Psalms or the Gospel of John, we can look at how Jesus is described and write those down uh, in a journal or whatever. Uh, we're all smart enough to study the Bible, but it's, it's a matter of, you know, do we really want to take the time or the effort to do it? But Jesus prayed that we would be sanctified in the truth that we would be prepared for mission by the truth. And so we are to take in God's word. And we can do that in many ways, and three ways are hearing God's word, reading God's word, and studying God's word. Really, we just scratch the surface on, on suggestions for that. But I want to just leave you with two quick application questions. Again, we don't want to be legalistic in saying you have to do things this way at this time, the way I do it, but I believe that we should say that Scripture is showing us that we need to train ourselves for godliness. We need to be sanctified by the truth, prepared for mission by the truth of God's Word. So, two application questions. If your growth in godliness were measured by the quality of your Bible intake, what would be the result? Just think about that. And secondly, what is one thing you can do to improve your intake of God's Word? What is one thing you can do to improve your intake of God's Word? A couple of questions to think about. The goal is not to make you feel guilty if you've not been doing your best in these areas of Bible intake, but, but to motivate you looking at the prayer of Jesus for us, his desire for us, uh, the words of Paul to Timothy, train yourself for godliness, to, to desire, we're a Christian, we desire the goal of spiritual growth to be like Christ so that we might do the mission better that God has given to us. And so what is, what is one thing we can do, you can do, I can do, to improve our intake of God's word?